Walter Sports Bar is the spot to watch the NFL in the Navy Yard neighborhood. They preset all indoor TVs and seat first come, first served. Visit waltersdc.com slash NFL for more information. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. to the belt, the pitch to Ruiz, swung on and belted, deep to right field, way back, going, going, gone, goodbye, bang, zoom goes K-Bear Ruiz, all over a fastball that was up on a 1-1 count, home run number 16, RBIs 53, 54, and 55, a three-run shot here in the fifth, and it's now the Nationals five and the Blue Jays one. Two out, bottom of the ninth, 5-4 Nationals lead. Runners second and third. Finnegan to the belt. The pitch to Jansen. Swung on and popped up foul. Off first. Dominic Smith has a play. He moves onto the warning track, and he makes the catch. And a curly W's in the books. Kyle Finnegan, after loading the bases with nobody out, bends, he gives up one run, and holds on for save number 25. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, August 30th, 2023, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Rogers Center in Toronto. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. If the Nats do not lead the majors in wacky wins this season, the Nats must be awfully close to doing so. Tuesday night, a 5-4 win at the Toronto Blue Jays in Game 2 of a three-game series. The Nats, who had not hit a single home run in each of their previous three games, smashed two big home runs in this game. We had Jacob Young just called up from AAA Rochester with a monster outfield assist. We had Kyle Finnegan in the bottom of the ninth, allowing a run, but getting the save despite loading the bases with no outs. This was some game with some ending. The Nats, though, they won again. They now are 24-13 and over their last 37 games. The Nats for the season now are 62-71. and And Mark, the Nats, who have won five consecutive series, can make it six consecutive series victories with a win at the Blue Jays on Wednesday. Somehow, someway, the Nats keep rolling here. Well, and Al, this is get, kind of becoming pretty remarkable. The way they are winning these close games. If I have my count right, they are now 10-3 and three in one-run games this month. Okay, that's not over a long stretch of time. Just in August alone, 10-3 and three 
in one run games for the season. They are now 22 and 19 in one run games. And I know there's a lot you can interpret from those things. You can say, well, teams are fortunate. That doesn't really hold up over the long run. And they're going to be due to start blowing some of these games. And maybe they will. I would not be surprised the way the bullpen keeps teetering, but not faltering. If one of these days it does finally fall apart for them, but the experience they're gaining playing in these highly competitive, highly tense, close games in an environment here that Davey Martinez called a playoff environment in front of 39,000 fans. It was awesome for them to feel that, feel that adrenaline. Um, you know, that was a playoff game. Uh, man, that's what it felt like. Fans were into it. You got a good team on the, on the other side there. There's nothing but good experience to come out of this, especially for the young players who've never been in this before. The fact they are now not just like hanging on or, or surviving or even just experiencing these games, but they're actually thriving in them, says a lot to me about how far they've come as an organization. Well, and one of the things that had been said about the Nats and the recent success was, well, let's see what happens as the schedule does start to stiffen again. And yeah, I mean, in the coming weeks, the Nats are going to be playing the Atlanta Braves, going to be playing the Los Angeles Dodgers, going to be playing the Baltimore Orioles. So we'll see what goes down. But the Toronto Blue Jays are a good team. We'll see what happens on Wednesday. But if the Nats do end up winning this series, this is a series that you look at and you say, hey, you just won two or three at one of the big boys in baseball. You know, the American League East is loaded this season. The Blue Jays are good, and in most other divisions would be a lot higher than where the Blue Jays are right now in that AL East. And it is great to see the Nats pull something off like this on Tuesday night. But yeah, I think pull something off is kind of the way to view it because this game was bonkers in so many ways. So the Nats bullpen on Tuesday night, you can't say that the bullpen was good. Three Nats relievers combined to allow three runs in four innings, but somehow the Nats survived this. So we had Mason Thompson allowing a run in one and two thirds innings. He tossed a perfect bottom of the sixth, but he then allowed a run in the bottom of the seventh, during which he issued a leadoff walk of pinch hitter Kevin Biggio and gave up a two out first pitch RBI double by Davis Schneider, who has been all over the place so far in this series. That double off the left field wall to cut the Nats lead to 5 2. Then Hunter Harvey came into the game. He allowed a run in one and a third innings. Now, he came into the game in the bottom of the seventh, runner on second, two outs, Nats up 5-2, got the Blue Jays' number three batter, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., to ground down. But Harvey, in the bottom of the eighth, allowed a run on a leadoff opposite field single by Danny Jansen to right field, a one-out double by Alejandro Kirk to left field, and a run-scoring wild pitch. We then got the Jacob Young outfield assist, but I feel like that deserves its own conversation. So we'll get to that. And then came the adventures of Kyle Finnegan. And man, who was this bottom of the ninth something? So again, Finnegan allows a run, but gets the save. He began the bottom of the ninth by giving up back-to-back first pitch opposite field singles by Kevin Biggio and Kevin Kiermeyer through the left side of the infield. Finnegan then issued a four-pitch walk of George Springer. So six pitches into his outing, the bases are loaded with nobody out. The Nats are clinging to a 5-3 lead. You're facing a team that can hit in the Blue Jays. You're in an intimidating environment in Rogers Center. The Nats were in a lot of trouble, and yet somehow they won this game. Finnegan generated a swinging strikeout of Davis Schneider. Then induced an RBI ground out by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on a great defensive play by the Nats. Third baseman Ildemar Vargas 
a really nice charging backhanded catch of a bouncer, then got off the throw to first baseman Dominic Smith, who caught what was a one-hop throw while falling down backward for the second out. What a play by Smith at first. And then, in like the most appropriate ending, Finnegan gets Danny Jansen out on a two-out full-count foul pop-out to Dominic Smith to end the game. I just thought that was such a bizarre, unusual ending. It just, it fit this perfectly. But boy, what a wild ride this game was, but especially that bottom of the ninth was. It was even wilder than you just explained. You said a six pitches to load the bases. Believe it or not, it was five pitches. He was called for a clock violation before ever throwing a pitch to George Springer. And so as Kyle himself joked afterwards, he said, I gave up two hits and a walk on five pitches. I didn't even know that was possible. And the only way it was possible was by two first pitch hits and then a three pitch walk, thanks to the old clock violation. And so I give him a lot of credit. Let's think back, Kyle Finnegan last year, when thrown into a situation like that. At times he was really good, but we discussed this more than once on this podcast over the last couple of years. When things would start to go downhill, you knew it and you knew that he wasn't going to be able to get it back and he'd end up blowing the game. Think about how far he's come. The earlier Kyle Finnegan from early this year or from last year doesn't get out of that jam. He lets that moment become too big for him, whether it's the the hits or the walk, he's facing the meat of their lineup, and he ends up blowing that game. The Kyle Finnegan right now still has confidence in himself to right the ship, get the outs he needs to. That was a huge strikeout of Schneider, who was in a lineup full of some big-name guys, maybe their most feared hitter, right now with six homers in the first 50 plate appearances of his major league career. Finnegan felt like that was the turning point, the strikeout of him. He gets Guerrero on a ground ball with a very nice play by Oldemaro Vargas to get that out at first, and then battles Jansen to a full count to get the final out. That's a gutsy save. And I know you're going to say, well, does he earn credit for a save when he created the jam that led to it? Yeah, he does, because the growth of Kyle Finnegan to allow himself to not let that thing completely fall apart and to hang on for dear life to pull off the save. I think it shows you how far he has come. I don't think Kyle Finnegan in 2022 finishes that one off. That last season would have been a game in which Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would have had a walk-off grand slam. And that's how that game would have ended. And instead, it ends up being a Nats win. And I liked what Davey Martinez said after the game about Kyle Finnegan. Ice. Ice. He's got his ice. The Iceman, you know, ice water in his veins. And there's a lot to be said for that. So, you know, it was not a great outing by Finnegan, but he ends up taking something that could have been so much worse and uh, making it so that the Nats could come away with this win. Hey, are you a law firm partner or an associate stuck on an underperforming franchise? Or are you stuck in the minors like Carter Keboom just was? Do what Nationals legend Max Scherzer did. Demand a trade. He left the New York Mets, right? There might be greener pastors and a lot more money at another law firm for you and your team at another law firm, not to mention better management and better services to offer your clients. The law firm lateral partner market is still red hot, and Nats Chat sponsor Mason Kalfas is the best legal recruiter in Washington, D.C., or anywhere. And Mason wants to help you find a new and better home. You can reach Mason or any of his team of seven recruiters at 202-486-3535 or email Mason at mason at zenithlegal.com. 
That's 202-486-3535 or via email at mason at zenithlegal.com. Go Nats! Uh, The Nats will be contenders very soon, and you can be a contender even sooner. Hey, Nats Chat Podcast. Tim Shover is here to tell you about the Game Time app. My wife is a big concert fan, and I'm a bit of a newbie and don't know where to begin in terms of how to get concert tickets. Then I remembered about Game Time, the best place for last-minute ticket deals. Plenty of options on there. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you would know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Swing and a belt to deep left field. This one is going, going, and gone. Goodbye. Over and to the right of the Blue Jays' bullpen. A long home run for Carter Keboom on the first pitch he sees from Jose Barrios. That ball was crushed. Three home runs and a double out of his five hits. A two-run shot giving the Nationals the lead here in the top of the second. It's Washington two and Toronto nothing. Bang! Zoom! Goes Keboom! So we had what happened with the bullpen in this 5-4 Nats win at the Blue Jays on Tuesday night. We also had what happened with the Nats offense in this game. The Nats in this game totaled just eight hits and two walks, went one for four with runners in scoring position, but scored five runs and won the game. Why? Two home runs. The Nats, who, like I said earlier, had not homered in each of their previous three games, hit two big home runs in this game. Capet Ruiz He on Tuesday night has the Nats starting catcher and number four batter, one for four, but the one was a three-run homer. K-Baird in the Nats three-run fifth, a two-out three-run homer to right field for a 5-1 Nats lead. He did not have a good game in game one of this series, but he comes back with the three-run homer in this game on Tuesday night. And, you know, as we are winding down this month of August, it is worth noting K-Baird Ruiz has had a really good month of August. He, for this month, has a batting average of 325 on base percentage of 391, slugging percentage of 566. And the other big homer by the Nats on Tuesday night came from Carter Keepum, who basically all he's doing is homering since being brought back up to the major league level. He now has three home runs in six games since being brought back up to the majors. Keepum on Tuesday night as the Nats starting third baseman and number six batter, two for four with a two-run homer and a single. He and an Nats two-run second, had a one-out first pitch, two-run homer to left field for a 2 nothing Nats lead, 410 feet per stat cast. And Keepum in the top of the fourth had a one-out single up the middle on an 0-2 pitch. So two guys who are in very different places in their careers, but uh, two big home runs by the Nats in this game. Very different places in their careers, but in theory, both really important to this franchise, or at least in one case, the guy who was really important to this franchise a few years ago and is now maybe trying to make the most of his last chance to do it. In the bigger picture, the most important thing out of this game to me was how many young potential building blocks were a big part of this win. And I'm going to include Ruiz and Keyboom in this category. Ruiz, we know, is part of the future. He's already signed the long-term deal. And the more he keeps coming through with clutch home runs 
like this, the more you have to be excited about what the future holds. He's got 16 homers now on the season, potentially headed for a 20 homer year as a young catcher. That's a nice thing to have for the future. In Keyboom's case, you know, a couple of years ago, he was Cabot Ruiz, like the top young position player they had and pinning so many hopes on him. Obviously, it didn't happen in 2019, in 2020, 21, then misses all of 2022 with Tommy John surgery. And we talked about it this summer. He was out of sight, out of mind, not on anybody's radar. And then you get to this point where all of a sudden he's healthy again. He's producing a AAA. They don't have a cornerstone third baseman or young guy they really need to look at. Why not call him up and see what he can do? And he is more than making the most of this opportunity. I have no idea if this is sustainable. I have no idea if he's all of a sudden going to throw himself back into their plans for 2024 and beyond. I do know this. He is hitting the ball with authority that we have not seen from him maybe ever in the big leagues. And he is playing with a different kind of attitude than I had seen from him in the past. He admits it. We talked about it last week. He gets it. He knows the situation he's in right now. He's just going to try to make the most of it. And they owe it to him to give him as many opportunities as they can the rest of the way so that when this season ends, they know one way or the other whether Carter Keeboom might still be a part of this or not. The homer came off the Blue Jays starting pitcher in this game, Jose Barrios, a righty. The thinking had been, well, Keeboom hits lefties. That's primarily who he's going to be facing, at least initially here in this latest go-round at the major league level. Well, that homer was off Barrios, who's a righty on Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, I think Keyboom should be playing a lot. I want to see Keyboom and Jake Alou and Jacob Young. Like, let's get these guys played appearances. Let's see what they can do. This probably isn't the show on which to say this, but I don't think we need to keep seeing Ildemar Vargas game in, game out. Now, listen, he made a huge defensive play in that ninth inning. So again, probably not the perfect time to be saying that. But man, it is something. I mean, Vargas is playing every game, third base, second base, left field, like, to me, it's a bit much. I, I don't know why we have to have this Ironman streak right now for Ildemar Vargas. But yeah, it's really good to see Keeboom doing as he's doing. And I think it's important that Kate Ruiz has had this big month of August in the same way that C.J. Abrams had the big month of July. Kate you know, his overall numbers for this season were not good. And defensively, offensively, like the season was not going very well. And, you know, you can only point so much at the stat cast stuff and say, well, he's hit into a lot of bad luck. Like, you know, you'd like to see results, and he has gotten results this month, and he has gotten results in a big way, and I think it's been uh, needed and encouraging, and some big hits, some home runs, he's hitting for power, you know, he, like Abrams, sort of growing into the number one spot in the lineup, it feels like Capert's hitting for more power, batting in that cleanup spot here more lately, so really good to see that. Well, we mentioned the outfield assist by Jacob Young. This was some play. So, Jacob Young, the Nats, of course, just brought him up from AAA Rochester. It was this past Saturday afternoon that the Nats selected the contract of Jacob Young. Jacob Young, who has the distinction of this season playing at four different levels of the Nats organization, IA Wilmington, AA Harrisburg, AAA Rochester, and now the major league level. He, on Tuesday night, was the Nats starting center fielder and number nine batter, went one for four with a bunt single and a stolen base, and he had this outfield assist. Bottom of the eighth, he, with the Nats nursing a 5-3 lead, caught a one-out fly ball off the bat of Dalton Varsho, despite, by the way, nearly being run into by left fielder Alex Cole. And then Young threw out Alejandro Kirk at home for the third out. That looked like no chance. 
guns down Alejandro Kirk at the plate. This was such a big moment in the game, especially considering what ended up happening in the bottom of the ninth. Young unleashed a great no-hop throw. Now, uh, Alejandro Kirk is, uh, shall we say, a man of generous proportions, okay? So, you know, you had that kind of working in the Nats' favor, but a big-time play by Jacob Young. He's a portly fellow, as some might say. But you know what? I don't care who it is running. It still required a perfect throw and catch and tag by Ruiz, which I'll get to here in a second. If anything doesn't go right on that play, you're not getting him out. doesn't matter how fast he is. So I want to take you behind the scenes here a little bit. At Rogers Center, a few years back, they moved the writer's press box. It had always been behind the plate, about three levels up. Nice view of the game. They decided, as other teams have done this as well, to turn that into a luxury suite where they can make some money and push all of us way down the left field line. We are almost at the foul pole in left field. It makes for a very awkward viewing environment for us trying to cover the game. And the majority of the time, it's quite frustrating, selfishly from my standpoint, except in that moment, because it was the perfect angle to see that whole thing play out. And so I was actually glad in that moment that I got to watch it from that angle. Initially, because to see the way Alex Call was chasing down the ball too, and Jacob Young's coming for it, and you're thinking, oh my God, they're going to collide. Now, Alex Call's been a center fielder most of the season, most of his life, been a center fielder. Jacob Young is brand new up here, but he's also been a center fielder most of his life. It is so important for a young center fielder to know how to take charge in a situation like that, and good on him for doing it. It was right at the last second, but he did because it was his ball, and he was able to have the better angle to make the perfect throw. It's 300 feet on the fly. I think the ball was hit 297 officially by StatCast. He catches it. He throws it. It's, you know, up in the air a little bit, so it's not like it hit the plate. So I'm calling it 300 on the fly, on the money. And I want to give Cabert Ruiz credit, too, because it required the catch, the tag, and making sure he wasn't blocking the plate. And the Blue Jays did challenge it, both to make sure that he got the tag down in time and to make sure he wasn't blocking the plate. And you could see everything was clean on that. That's not the easiest thing for a catcher to do. The whole Nats dugout went wild. The whole stadium was, I think, in shock. It was that good of a throw. And the fact that he did it in his third career major league game, wow, that's a big moment for the kid. You know, we're obviously in the process of learning what Jacob Young is and what he does well. We know that he can run. He was the Nats 2022 minor league base runner of the year. Is he supposed to have an arm like this and supposed to be this good defensively? Because that was, you know, Lane Thomas-esque, that outfield assist that uh, Jacob Young unleashed on Tuesday night. I was told he's a very good defensive center fielder and good enough to play center field. And obviously you have guys on both sides of him who have played center field in the big leagues. And they're saying, no, we're going to move down to the corners so that Jacob Young can play center. So that tells me something about him. I hadn't really heard anything about his arm. I think we know now he's got a really good one. But speed, I mean, look, let's also point out first career hit, and he did it on a bunt, (laughs) and then he stole his first career base. So that's a nice trifecta for him. You can see the kind of player that he may be. Now, we've got a long way to go. He's not as highly touted as these other kids who are coming in the near future. I'm not sure what the future ultimately holds for him. He's kind of like an Alex Call type in that, He's going to have to scrap his way. He's probably ultimately profiling as more of a backup outfielder than an everyday guy. But if you run well, 
and you can play in the field and throw like that, there's going to be a place for you somewhere in the big leagues. And he stepped up in a huge moment and had whatever happens to him after tonight, he's always going to have that moment. And that's a big moment for him in front of a big crowd. Well, I'd like to know too, how many guys since the Nats came here have played at four different levels of the organization in a single season. Like we hear about three that happens, but that's not even common. Juan Soto. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not a long list of guys who have done that. And this guy's done that this year. So, you know, he's got something going for him. Jacob Young, one of just two players in all of minor league baseball in the 2022 season to have at least 50 stolen bases and score at least 100 runs. But what a job on that outfield assist on Tuesday night. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Well, the heat, the humidity, the sky-high temperatures, uh, they all are here. And all of this is forcing your air conditioning into overdrive, leading to ultra-high energy bills. The solution, new windows from the folks at Window Nation. And Window Nation right now is offering a sensational deal to listeners of the Nat Chat podcast. Right now, no money down, no payments, and no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. And if you call this week, you get an extra 10% off. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, no money down, no payments, no interest for two years, plus 50% off all styles of windows. And if you call this week, you get an extra 10% off your order, 866-90NATION or windownation.com. If you've been thinking about getting new windows, now is the time. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about Factor, which is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. I have been eating Factor meals. They are outstanding. They can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. We, of course, are in the thick of summer, but the school year isn't far away. Everyone's busy. You want to make sure that you're eating well. With Factor, you can skip that extra trip to the grocery store, and also skip the chopping, the prepping, and the cleaning up too while still getting the flavor and the nutrition that you need. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat up the meal and enjoy the meal and then get back to doing whatever it is that you need to be doing. Here's what to do. Go to factormeals.com slash natschat50 and use the code natschat50. You do that, you get 50 percent off. Yeah, 50% off. Go to factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use that promo code NatsChat50 for 50% off. Factormeals.com slash NatsChat50 and use that promo code NatsChat50 for 50% off. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Here's the one-two to Cruz. And a breaking ball comes up and hits the top of his helmet. That's a breaking ball, and 
it caught all the helmet. Didn't catch any of his face. And you hope that Dylan Cruz is okay. This is the number four prospect in all of baseball. He's been in the minor leagues for less than a month. Comes out of the game here in Binghamton on this Tuesday night in the opener. Here's your Dylan Cruz update for the game played on Tuesday evening in Binghamton, New York, as the Harrisburg Senators were shut out one to nothing by the Rumble Ponies. Cruz, as you heard in the highlight there, in his second at bat of the night, hit in the helmet on an off-speed pitch. He did stay on his feet, but was removed from the game as what seemed like a precautionary measure. In the first inning, Cruz, while leading off in center field, he walked, was thrown out while trying to seal second base. The catcher for Binghamton, Kevin Parada. You might recognize that name. He was the 11th pick from the draft two years ago. Now back to Mark and Al. The line of the 0-2. Swing a blast, deep left field, down the line toward the corner, way back it goes, and it's gone. In and out of the second deck, right down the line, the rookie sensation, Davis Schneider, has his sixth home run. And he's put the Jays on the board. It's 2-1 to one Nationals. So it's funny. We had what happened with the bullpen. We had what happened with the homers. We had what happened with Jacob Young. Oh, by the way, Mackenzie Gore was an ad starting pitcher in this game at the Blue Jays on Tuesday night. And his outing was a conversation in and of itself. So Mackenzie Gore, like Josiah Gray, very up and down lately, rather pitch inefficient lately. And this outing sort of captured all of this on Tuesday night. Now, Gore allowed one run in five innings. That he did that is a miracle in some ways. He, over the five innings, threw 106 pitches. So, you know, here we go again. Another night in which a promising young Nat starting pitcher throws a ton of pitches in a condensed period of time. Now, he did throw a good number of strikes, 69 strikes versus 37 balls, but a good portion of that was the Blue Jays fouling off pitch after pitch after pitch in this game. Gore, who we know is a strikeout pitcher, did not have the swing and missed up in this game. A mere two strikeouts for Mackenzie Gore over his five innings. He gave up six hits, a solo homer, two doubles, and three singles. He issued two walks and a wild pitch, but to his credit, he only allowed one run. Bottom of the third, allowed a run on a leadoff homer by Davis Schneider to left field on an 0-2 pitch to cut the Nats' lead to 2-1. Watching the first two innings of this game, it felt like this was going to be a carbon copy of Josiah Gray in game one. I mean, it was painful. It was, you know, Gore laboring. It was pitch after pitch after pitch. I give Mackenzie Gore credit because that final line could have been so much worse than what it ended up being. He's at 56 pitches after two innings. And I'm thinking like, yeah, he's going to have to potentially pull him and go to the bullpen early yet again. Now, what was going on here? As McKenzie explained to us afterward, he had no feel early on for either of his breaking balls or his changeup. And so he was throwing a ton of fastballs. It was like 75% of his pitches through the first couple innings were fastballs. And you mentioned all the foul balls. That's what they were fouling off. As he said, they don't have to respect the off-speed stuff. So they're just going to sit fastball. And so while they didn't put them all in play, they certainly got the bat on them because they weren't being fooled. 21 of his 63 fastballs were fouled off. One out of three of his fastballs were fouled off. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. Now, what he was able to do in those final two innings, he did find some semblance of command and feel for his other stuff, and he started throwing them more, and he had two relatively quick innings. He's at 79 pitches after three innings, and he ends up at 106 
after five. So I think that's an important step for him on a night when you clearly don't have it. You got to find a way to get through it. And he found something late there to salvage five good innings. And yeah, that's ultimately the bottom line. As he said, you'd love to have a lot of strikeouts and be efficient, but sometimes you got to work with what you have on that given night. And he did. And, you know, while we have seen Josiah Gray the first half of the year have a good number of those kind of starts, we haven't seen a whole lot of those from Gore where it's kind of like he either has it or he doesn't. He's either great or he's not. And in this case, he showed that he can still be effective even when it's not all there for him. So you look at Gore's recent outings. He did what he did on Tuesday night. His previous start, 9-1 loss at the New York Yankees, Wednesday night, August 23rd. Six runs, two earned in four innings. If you remember that game, he allowed things to unravel in a five-run Yankees second in which the Nats defense was really bad. The start prior to that one, 6-2 win over the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park on August 16th. Gray, six into third scoreless innings, seven strikeouts, two walks. It was very good, although remember he left that game with a frightening scene, although it ended up being that he was dealing with a uh, cut nail on his uh, left middle finger. Game prior to that, the uh, no-hit loss for the Nats, 7-0 at the Philadelphia Phillies, August 9th. Gore in that game, six runs in five innings. My point is, it's been very mixed. It's been very up and down lately. And I find it really interesting that he and Josiah Gray, their 2023 seasons are so similar. And they're like, they have been on these parallel paths of each guy got off to a really good and encouraging start. And now lately, like for a few months now, each guy's been up and down. Each guy's been pitch inefficient. And neither guy is a sure thing start in and start out. You know, I said this on an installment of the podcast over the weekend. The Nats' best starter right now is Jake Irvin. He's been their best starter over the last few months. It seems kind of odd to say that, but the numbers back that up. And, you know, if you're just watching these games, like there actually is kind of a consistency right now with Jake Irvin that you don't have with Goran Gray. Now, obviously, their best is better than Irvin's best. But it's just kind of funny how this has worked out. Gore and Gray off the great starts, each guy's kind of tailed off at the same time. And yet, them tailing off coincides with the Nats doing well. That's the other bizarro part of this. When those guys were going well, the Nats really weren't winning. Now that those guys aren't going well, the Nats are winning. So go figure. Yeah, it's because the bullpen is hanging on. They're scoring runs late in games and winning all these close one-run games. Consistency was the word I was going to use. That's what you're not seeing particularly from Mackenzie Gore. I still do believe that when he's on, when he th- he's at his best, he is the best of the bunch. And I see both in stuff and demeanor, a guy with the potential to be a frontline ace of this team for years to come. But he's still got to learn how to get there and how to be that guy every fifth day. Now, let's also talk about his workload. He's already now about doubled his innings from last year. Obviously, he was hurt for a long time with the elbow injury, and so he didn't have the chance to build himself up. Everybody's been wondering how far are they going to let him go. He said he feels great, even if his command hasn't always been there. He says the velocity has been good in his arm, and his body have felt really good. So he's encouraged by that, and he wants to keep going as long as they'll let him. The calendar is about to shift to September here, and at some point, they are going to have to make some decisions. There are two off days next week because of a weird two-game series against the Mets. And I'm curious to see, do they say, okay, well, everybody gets extra time off or would they use this as an opportunity to say, take Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore, who look a little worn down perhaps right now and certainly entering some uncharted waters and say, we're going to hold you guys back 
and pitch you next weekend and give you extra rest and maybe a Patrick Corbin, Trevor Williams, even Jake Irvin stay on normal turn and they shake up the order of the rotation. I don't know if that's been mapped out for sure yet, but I would not be surprised if that's at least a discussion that they're having. I think it would make sense, especially for Josiah Gray. I mean, something has to happen with him. You can't just keep going along the way that you've been going. Like There needs to be some sort of a reset with him. It's funny, though, too, because with the six-man rotation and with this uh, recent run of one off day per week, what you've had is guys pitching once per week, and it's kind of worked out like that. It's almost been like college baseball where, like, you know, you're a weekend starter and you only pitch on the weekends. Like, the Nats' recent series, you've had the same sets of three pitchers in each series, it feels like, with, you know, sort of like the A portion of the rotation with Gray, Gore, and Corbin, I guess. And then the B portion of the rotation with Adone and Trevor Williams and Irvin, although the B portion of the rotation at times has been better than the A portion. When you think about when Adone has been good and Irvin's been pitching well and Williams has been better lately. So, uh, yeah, that's where we are. Well, it would be something if the Nats could make this six consecutive series wins and win a series at, again, a good team in the Blue Jays. And by the way, if the Nats do win on Wednesday... That would be win number 63 on the season that would clinch the Nats not having a 100-loss season. You might say, boy, that's a pathetic bar. Yes and no. How many people thought it was a certainty that the Nats would lose 100 games this season? It's now basically a certainty that the Nats will not be losing 100 games this season. And, you know, them losing 90 games this season may not happen either. We'll see. So good stuff from the Nats. And again, what was a uh, rather wild affair on Tuesday night. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the show NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, find us on our website, NatsChatPodcast.com, in which you can buy a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com. Next up for the Nats is Game 3 at the Blue Jays. Wednesday afternoon at 3.07, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. For Mark Zuckerman, of Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast pitch on the way. Young drops a bunt down third base side. It's a beauty. Picked up by Francis. He'll make no throw and the first major league hit for Jacob Young is a bunt single up the third base line. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.